Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, Recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression. Connect through our shared experiences and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Thanks again so much for reaching out, for expressing interest in being interviewed and being a part of the HSCT Warriors podcast. You'll be the first interview with CIDP. So welcome, Chris. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for just being a voice for other warriors battling CIDP because we haven't had a chance to interview anyone with your autoimmune disease. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it's like to experience CIDP, especially for those warriors out there that maybe are, um, you know, tuned into other autoimmune diseases and are curious or people experiencing symptoms and just not sure what to expect or think about when they're seeking diagnosis. Right. Well, for me, um, I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist for uh, 19 years now. And um, I worked at a hospital. um, And I at first when I first started getting the symptoms, um, I was uh, working on the orthopedic floor and I uh, at the hospital and I, I spoke with one of the physician assistants and he gave me some some muscle relaxers and some um, steroids to kind of dull this glute pain, hamstring pain, hip pain, uh, just just this overall pain and, and uncomfortableness. I My muscles were getting really tight in my legs and I didn't really know what was going on. So I saw him and like I said, he gave me the steroids and that did help for a little bit. And this is before I even knew anything about CIDP. Well, sure. Um, Being a physical therapist, I'm sure you're active and you work with patients in a lot of different ways. And it's very possible to pull or overexert a muscle in your body. Absolutely. Right. So I was kind of having like sciatica symptoms, like pain going down my legs from the, you know, from my butt and things like that. Um, But as it went on and and as I stopped the steroids and and, uh, time went on, um, the pain came back and it came back stronger. And it got worse and worse. You know, I, I had I had already kind of made a couple appointments with my my primary care physician saying, hey, what's going on? You know, and I, I was having some um, autonomic nervous system stuff as well. Like blood, blood pressure was going crazy. I was like 160 over 110 and um, resting, like not not doing anything. Goodness. Um, my heart rate was was resting in the one teens, 120s. Um, so I was having a very difficult time just functioning and, and it was getting worse as, as the days and weeks went by, I really pushed very hard, um, for a neurology appointment 
the they told me at ECU, Eastern Carolina University um, School of Medicine, that um, that it would be at least three months before I could get in to see a neurologist, and I uh, flipped my lid. Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't make sense. Yeah, I said I was a I'm a forty at the time I'm a forty one year old physical therapist lifting people out of bed, um, you know, working full time, never having any symptoms like this before. I need to see somebody and I need to see somebody now. Yeah. This is not Um, just a pulled hamstring. Yeah. Right. I've, I've seen a a physician assistant. I've seen my general practitioner in, in the course of probably from like October 12th through the beginning of December. um, I was constantly going to the doctor, just trying to figure something out. I've, I've read online multiple times, multiple people that it takes months or years to get diagnosed with CIDP um, because it is so funky. It is, it is, um, it's, it's a disease of, of exclusion. You know, you have to, you have to exclude all this other, all these other things to, to finally get diagnosed and, and, you know, get a lumbar puncture and check your proteins and things like that. Right. So December 7th rolls around, I'm, I'm driving to work and all of a sudden my, my legs just, just, they were, they were progressively getting weaker and I started getting the tingling in my toes and my fingers and things like that. But December 7th, I was physically driving to work and I passed out, um, while I was driving. Yeah. So I, I, um, was in the middle of, uh, I guess it's a, whatever you call a four lane road, two lanes each way. And, um, I, I literally, I didn't know what was happening. I started losing conscious, losing vision, losing consciousness, and I just passed out. Um, wow. I'm so glad time. you're alive. I know. I know. It was, uh, it's, it's pretty scary, actually. Um, I'd say extremely scary. <laughs> yes. That's, wow. Yeah. Yikes. So they, they thought I had a pituitary tumor. They sent me to an endocrinologist. I, of course, I spent, the, I spent a couple of days in the hospital. Uh, you sure, know, with uh, all the wondering and testing. Right more battery of tests, you know, from, from uh, seizures to, you know, everything, epilepsy, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, they came up with really nothing. They just switched me from a beta blocker, uh, blood pressure medication to a, a sodium channel blocker. So, Gee, um, that, that's it. And they sent me home. So I was like, okay, mm. uh, you just follow up a cardiologist and an endocrinologist in a week or two. I'm like, I almost died. I, I passed out. I mean, literally, I my wow. body just shut down. Wow. While yeah. you're driving. While I'm driving. And, going they, wanted, to work, and so. they wanted you to drive home? Um, no. I mean, my, my, my wife, you know, drove me home and I, I started, you know, the FMLA paperwork and started, uh, you know, short-term disability and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was my last day of work was December 7th, 2017. And, um, so then finally I saw an endocrinologist that thought I had a pituitary tumor and, and that came negative and da, da, da. And finally I went back to the neurologist again. Um, and I said, look, I can barely walk. I'm having a hard time even, even getting upstairs. I'm on 400 milligrams of Neurontin three times a day. You know, I've never been on a medication in my life, you know, uh, I just, I can't even function. Yeah. I can't do anything. I can't even walk. I can't even get out of bed barely. Yeah. Do need, something, please. You, you know, you need to dig deeper. Yeah. So they, she said, well, oh. you know, I, I guess, and my wife, my wife was telling the neurologist, she said, look, I've seen Gillian Barre. I've seen, this is kind of weird. I've seen, you know, I've, I, I treated one patient with a CIDP, but it was, it was a very mild case, but, but this fits the bill. You know, and so she's like, okay, well, let's admit you to the to the bigger hospital over here in Greenville. And 
long story short, that was when I got diagnosed with CIDP. Um, so you had done the research. Oh, yes. Trying oh, absolutely. Trying to find the yes. answer because the doctors didn't have an answer for you. Right. Exactly. It's so important yeah. to be your own advocate, right? Exactly. That's the... That's the major thing is I feel so I feel I've, I've spoken with so many people online on Facebook and on different chat group that that it takes so long, six months, eight months, a year just to get diagnosed because they don't have any medical background and don't have any any, you know, access to the medical journals and, and you know, things like that. I mean, you can always Google it and stuff like that. But I mean, if my wife it took my wife and I over two months and we've been in healthcare, like I said, I've been in. I've been in physical therapy and acute care for 19 plus years. And, uh, you know, she's a, she's an occupational therapy assistant, been there for over 12 years. And I mean, I, I, I feel so bad for folks because nine, nine out of 10 doctors probably haven't even, they've heard of Gillian Beret. They have probably seen a few cases, but it's pretty rare. Now CIDP is extremely rare. Indeed. And, 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 you know, people are like, oh, well, this doesn't, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, the doctors or nurses that I was talking to in the hospital during this, during this time that I was getting sick was like, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, you're, you're getting weak. You're having tingling. It sounds like me caught equina syndrome or central cord syndrome or, or, you know, something to the spinal cord because that's where they go, you know, with tingling and with numbness and stuff, sure. they go. You know, they go spinal cord or, or you know, uh, multiple myeloma in the, you know, central nervous system. I mean, it can be, you know, you know, my brain. I mean, it's just it, there. The the education, the the awareness. I, I I really want to take it upon myself to bring uh, awareness of of Gillian Barre and CIDP to Eastern North Carolina. Um, to the I world. <laughs> to the world. Guess yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. this platform. I mean, this is worldwide. So you're yeah. bringing it, and thank you for bringing it yeah. because it thank is. You. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I, 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 if there's if there's any time that that I can be more involved, I would love to be. Wonderful, because yeah, it's such a lengthy experience for autoimmune yeah. patients, especially when ending up with something so rare. But right. just it's like doctors throw throw something at the wall and see what sticks. Right. And exactly. if they're not throwing the right diagnosis out, it just everything's prolonged and everything progresses. Pro yeah, exactly. And it's like too many people are spending too much time suffering yeah. unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your advocacy and for being a part of this. So I'm curious oh. to know how you came yes. to find out about HSCT. Um, so, uh, along once, once I got diagnosed in January 21st, I, I did, um, gosh, what is that? Um, well, I, I, I started with IVIG, um, you know, immunoglobulin therapy and stuff like that. And, and plasmapheresis that, that really helped the, the initial, I don't know, a couple of weeks to a couple of months. And then, you know, I, I just, I just started declining again. Like it, my body, you know, I, was starting to to lose what I had gained back from the initial bump of IG, IVIG. So my wife and I, I mean, we just we literally just went on uh, Facebook, and once you once you you know type in GBS CIDP um, stuff like that into Facebook, you come up with a you know ton of groups. And Chicago uh, HSCT came up uh, as one of the groups. 
primarily for MS, you right, know? Right, right. Interesting. But, wow. but uh, yeah, we, we, uh, my wife actually found it. She was, she was the one that told my neurologist that I had CIDP and she's the one that, that, uh, that found the website and found Dr. Burton in Chicago at Northwestern. Um, I'm guessing, uh, I'm guessing you're pretty grateful for her. Well, words, words can't even describe it. I'll start crying if I talk about it. <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll get there later. So <laughs> yeah, your, so. so your wife found out about the opportunity. Yes. Found out about the opportunity. And then, um, of course, you know, you submit your medical records to, um, the, on the website and things like that and see if you even qualify, uh, pre-qualify. I think I got pre-qualified by the end of March, I think, uh, 2018. Um, so about two, two and a half months after I got diagnosed. So then the, then the real process starts. <laughs> well, yeah, but what um, was that like? I mean, it seems really oh, quick. Um, you know, the staff, the staff is phenomenal. I mean, they, of course they want, they want every possible patient, to be involved with the trials and be in, be involved, uh, you know, uh, if, if they don't qualify for the trial, they can, they can do it on a cash basis or they can do it on a, on a compassionate care basis. They like uh, to help and, people. They like to help right. whoever they can help. Exactly. Exactly. So we had to, we had to, we got initially, um, uh, accepted with the medical records and then we had to go up there for a, um, what was it? The first one was the evaluation. That, yeah. Yeah. The evaluation. Um, and then we're from North Carolina. So we had to um, fly up there for the evaluation and then turn around and fly back. And then um, everything went OK. And they said, OK, well, um, you know, now we have to get insurance approval. They've they've approved you for pre pre-treatment testing. So we were like, oh, great. Well, they're going to approve us for, for treatment. If they, if they approve me for pre-treatment testing, why would yeah, they, why would they do that and not uh, approve my treatment? That's a great but, question. Uh, yeah. So we flew up there or actually we drove up there because we anticipated we were going to be there for a few months because the, the actual treatment in Chicago is six weeks, uh, six plus weeks. Um, we drove up there and we were, we did the pre-testing, everything went fine. And then three days later we got turned down. And then Sharon said, no, we're not paying for it. And so we rented an apartment for a month uh, to the tune of like $3,600. And we got turned down. And then we got turned down again for the second time. And then we got turned down again for the peer-to-peer. Dr. Burt gets on the phone and uh, with the insurance company and the doctors and this and that. And they go over things and all that and make make another decision. And I got turned down again. How How did that feel? Oh my gosh! It, to know that to know that there's something that possibly could could change your life, alter your 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 quality of life, and and not being able to obtain it, uh, or 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 worse uh, worse even have insurance pay for it. You know they're they're refusing to pay for it because it's too expensive. I mean, uh, you know, I, it's mind boggling. It it is mind boggling. I mean, nobody can. There, there are very, very few people in the world that can come up with one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in cash um, to have this to have this treatment. So, a lot of people, from what I hear, are going to um, Mexico. Um, they have they have a, a from what I hear a wonderful uh, facility and a wonderful operation down there. They've been doing it for a long time. It's in Monterey or Pueblo, there's another, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's, you know, 50 plus thousand. So it's half price, but the, the weight and the, the, the disappointment and the, just the sheer fact that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've never been in the hospital. I never had any problems. And, and then in, in a matter of, of six months, you know, being so close to getting your life back and, and, it's it just, it's so disheartening and it's so emotionally stressful and painful. Yeah, so I've been right there with you. I was, yeah. I was approved by insurance actually. And then a week later they nice. changed their mind. Oh, <laughs> not, no kidding. Not so nice. No, no, not kidding at all. Wow. Um, and so then I, you know, went through the appeal process like you did. Right. And thought, right. you know, surely they'll do the right thing. Surely it's a mistake because they approved me. Right. And appeals and peer to peer and all of that and still denied. Yeah. And so then I thought, well, what if I went back for another evaluation? Right. So I waited six months and went back to say, like, maybe I'm getting worse and we can document that and it'll help make the case that I need this now more than ever. And that was the case. Wow. And that's what Dr. Burt told insurance. And they still yep. said no. Oh, my gosh. So we, yeah, we had family. My parents sold their house and other family came up with additional funds to help us total wow. that $125,000. We did a fundraiser. Wow. Right. Thankfully, right. I have the resources and family that came through because not everyone has that. And that's wow, what, that is phenomenal. you know, it's, it is phenomenal for me, but I, like you, my heart goes out to people that suffer because they need this. They need their quality of life back because right. it just slips by so quick with these aggressive forms of disease that so fast they deserve not to suffer. So, so what did you do? So, um, we ended up going back to North Carolina, leaving the apartment, um, trying to do our third appeal. And in the process of doing our third appeal, my, uh, patient advocate from Medcost, my, that's a, it's a hospital based, um, insurance program. She called me and she said, look, I, I've been, I've been with you the whole time. I haven't spoken with you before, but I've been with you the whole time fighting for you, trying to get this approved. I know that, that, you know, she, you know, she went through the whole scenario, the whole pre-disease and then diagnosis and all that. And she said, I, I, I want to get this for you. I want to figure this out. And I said, well, you know what, figure out how much it costs to do IVIG every month, um, you know, every three weeks, actually, I was doing it for two days in a row, still declining, still getting worse. I said, and I'm going to stay on that insurance. and I'm going to stay on that insurance for years because I'll figure out, <laughs> you know. Um, so the cost, the sheer cost based analysis of the one time treatment in Chicago versus IVIG times one year, two years, five years. And lo and behold, they called my supervisor at the hospital. They spoke with, you know, med cost physicians and, and the, you know, the, the doctors on staff and, and its insurance company and everything. And she, lo and behold, got it approved. Wow. And I was in Chicago nine days later starting treatment. Oh, my goodness. So, I, so yeah. So from, from when I went up there in May, when we thought we were going to start, all the way through. And again, this is, you know, just like an emotional roller coaster going back to North Carolina, back to, you know, back to IVIG, back to declining, back to an, an hour drive to the neurology office. You know, my wife has to take off work because I can't drive because you, you're so miserably tired after, after IVIG. 
I would need oh, yeah. somebody else to drive me for sure. Because oh, yeah, absolutely. Just the fear of what happened before yeah. you were diagnosed. And right, exactly. I was, yeah, I still, I, I wasn't driving at that point, I don't think, in May. But, um, but, but yeah, I, the I, roller coaster. Yeah. It's the roller coaster. So finally, finally, we, we got approved and we once again packed everything up in the car, dr- uh, rental car, drove all the way up there. I mean, it, you know, had to rent an apartment for another couple of weeks, you know, because you have that initial then you go home and then you have the, you know, mobilization then you go home and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, we, we had to, we actually stayed uh, at the, at Northwestern's um, little hotel right across the street or apartment complex right across the street, nice. much more economical. Indeed. <laughs> well, especially for that length of time, because the protocol, yeah. it sounds like the protocol is a little longer for CIDP. Right. Yes. Finally. So everything got covered and, and we really only came out of pocket a couple thousand dollars, really. That's you amazing. Know, deductibles and things like that. I know. Kudos to your advocate working so hard yes. to help you figure out that return on investment. I know. I know. And I think, I think that really, um, I mean, that, that was the only, that, that was the only thing that got me through. I mean, I got denied, you know, denied, denied, peer to peer denied all that. And I was fixing to get denied again for my third time, but you know, she, she was just phenomenal. And I, I just, um, I don't even know. I mean, I, I put it down in words and wrote her a letter and my, my parents sent her a whole, a whole thing, you know, a whole basket of, of goodness and, and thank yous and all that stuff. Wonderful. And, but I mean, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no words for the limb she went out on and the, and the, the, the time and effort and energy that, that she put just towards me, just towards someone she doesn't even know, mm. just a, a, you know, a random patient. And she was my patient advocate at the insurance company. I mean, I think it's hilarious, you know, I, I've helped the decision makers make a good decision. Yeah, exactly. I'm so blessed. I mean, I can't even, I get, I get tongue tied and, and teary eyed because I, 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 I just don't even know what to say. I'm just so. It's the way so it thankful. should happen. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the way it should happen. And unfortunately it doesn't happen enough in the right. world. And so that's right. That's I mean, right. Why we got to spread needs- the story, right? Exactly. There needs to be, there needs to be the Gillian Bure and CDP Foundation needs to, we need to, we need to really advocate and get some federal funding or, or something, <laughs> something to help people because there's so many that just can't do anything about it because they don't have the money or the insurance or the, you or, know, or even just the questions to ask. You know, or even just the questions that the the awareness of it all, you right? Know? Not knowing how to be an, your own advocate, or that right. there, are, there are advocates working for you that can help you. Uh, that's right. That's you know, right. And that there are resources out there, even on Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Learn more, and it's. Uh, yeah. I I want it to become that standard of care Absolutely. for people with autoimmune disease because it's it sounds like you had a very aggressive form of CIDP. Yes. Yes, I did. So why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? Everything that we just said, you know, just getting the awareness out and, and that if, if it reaches a couple of people or reaches hundreds of millions of people, it is, it is my duty and my responsibility that I was that to, to spread the word and to, and to help even one person <laughs> or, well, or help, yeah. you know, 
Absolutely. And that's, this is the platform to do that. So we're glad you're a part of it. Absolutely. So how was your experience with HSCT? It was wonderful. I mean, it was, um, it's intense. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a, it's a very, it's a scary thing because you don't know anything about it. And it involves cytoxin, you know, which is a, a chemotherapy drug. And, but, um, I, I had a wonderful wonderful experience what about your um, most uh, memorable experience do you have a most memorable my most memorable experience was after the initial treatment um the first day um you get uh some medicine some you know cytoxin and and one dose and then you go back to the hotel and you wait and you you start your um injections what what are nupogen. those um, yeah nupogen. nupogen the nupogen injections yeah so before i started the nupogen injections about two or three days before that i woke up in the morning i was feeling kind of sluggish you know i started um started just feeling side effects and things like that and i stood up out of bed and and went to go um to the bathroom and brush my teeth and i, I noticed that i could actually stand no, normally my my ankles my dorsiflexors and plantar flexors my ankles and my toes um just did not work at all i mean they were they i had you know bilateral uh afos so the ankle foot the little plastic uh feet yeah, braces yeah. on both sides and i used the cane a lot as well um most of the time so i got up that morning and i went to go to the bathroom and brush my teeth and stuff and here i am just standing there just standing still and and not wavering and dancing and holding on to the sink and falling over and and you know getting that initial rush of dizziness and and weird feeling foggy head and all that i was i there was none of that i was just standing there i was just standing there brushing my teeth and i and i yelled for my wife because i it, it had been the first time that i could actually stand and and not have my knees buckle or my ankles go out or I, I, that was my most memorable experience. Um, my happiest happy. That wasn't, I mean, that, that was just the beginning, you know, that was 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 just just the the beginning. That was just the first little bit, but that was my most memorable thing because I mean, for a man not to be able to stand up and go pee, you know, it's, it's, it's demoralizing. It's dehumanizing. There's so many, there's so many things with these autoimmune disease that just, that just gets stripped away from you so quickly and, and, and you don't have any choice. You bladder control or, or, or just being able to stand up or, or being 40 years old and not being able to take a shower by yourself because you, because you fall. I fell 17 times in like four months. Mm. Um, luckily I didn't break anything. Uh, A lot of bruises. Yeah. A lot of bruises, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. So that's, that's my, that's my, uh, that's my, one of my most favorite. Yeah. That's powerful moments. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm and sure it's only, you, you were a little half asleep, right? Like first thing, yeah, kind of waking right. up and it's like, wait yeah. a sec, wait a second. What did I just do? Oh my gosh. I'm actually, I'm actually, and that was only, that was only after one initial dose, that initial dose of cytoxin and, you know, so it sounds like the rest went okay. What were yeah? Well, what were some of the essential components for you during your experience to just to help get you through? Oh gosh, um, you know, I, I spoke with my parents every day on the phone. My wife was there with me every step of the way, every single day. 
she would she would go home and or go guess go home go to the hotel and and take a shower or do whatever and then bring me a, a milkshake you know or or something just to just to even or a coffee after i after i got okay and i could have coffee and stuff she she'd bring me a coffee from downstairs from dunkin donuts or walking walking around the unit seeing other people even though you're all gowned up and immunocompromised and all right. that stuff I mean, it was, it was so intense just, just being a part of it. And you don't even realize it when you're there, but you look back and you say, Oh my gosh, I remember that guy that was next door. And I remember walking with him, you know, we walked together a couple of times and then he was gone. He must've gone home. I, I wish I had his number. I should have got his number, you know, but I remember him and, yeah. um, you know, although just the, just the, the knowing that you are a part of something I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say experimental because it's not experimental, but it's but something that's so new and fresh and, and life changing to, to know that you're a part of that. Yeah. I like to say transformational. Transformational. Yes. Yep. So did you have any doubts or reservations going into it? Um, you know, I, I was to the point where, you know, I was 41 41 years old and I I saw everything I, I was on the other side of the bed I was I was now I was now in the bed and you know being mm. being treated instead of instead of the last 18 19 years lifting my patients out of bed I was the patient and yeah lifted. wow yeah it's scary I mean it, it is it's you know you never you know, there's there's always complications to any procedure, no matter what you do. I don't care if you have a scratch and you put neosporin on it, it could still get infected. So, I mean, it, you know, if the post, I think the post treatment was more, um, I don't know, not scary. Just you're you're more aware. You're you know, at, at first you don't really know what to expect. So you're like, oh, I can do, you know, let's do this, let's do this thing, let's get it done. I'm ready. You know, and then you get through it and it's tough, but you get through it and then you're like, okay, I want to protect this brand new baby immune system that I have. And I'm mm -hmm. going to do everything I possibly can to, to safeguard myself. And, um, it's, it's weird. I think I was more scared for the fault for the weeks following treatment than I was during treatment. What were you afraid of? Infection. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they, they say that, that a respiratory infection is like the number one thing for, for us or, mm -hmm. or for CIDPers or, um, what is it? Um, shingles, shingles is, is very, you know, of course you're on a cyclovir and stuff, but, uh, it's always a possibility. And, you know, I mean, I, I finally had to go back to work, uh, after Christmas, uh, December 18, uh, December of 2018, um, or I was going to lose my Cobra and all that stuff. And so I went back into the, I went back into the business office. Uh, I'm doing insurance and billing and um, the hospital was very gracious to, to allow me to transfer into that position from physical therapy into insurance and billing. So I was even more nervous about going back to work and being exposed, not only at work, but my work is a hospital. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. Did you wear a mask? Yeah. Did oh, you wear a mask? 
Um, you know, I was four, almost four months, um, September, October, November, December. Yeah, I was almost four months. So um, the nurse practitioners, they said, you know, if you're not going in direct patient care and you're not going to have people hacking on you and, <laughs> you know, this and that, I think you're fine. All your labs are great. You look real good. You're healthy. You know, you're healthy as, as healthy as you can be at four months post. And, you know, if you start feeling sick or ill, give us a call and we'll, we'll re, you know, we'll fix the situation. Good for you. So, yeah, so I I started back and my legs are tired, boy, but um I'm I'm doing it. I'm walking with no braces, no cane. I'm doing office work and you know, it's some mostly sedentary work, but but um you know, we sold the big house that we had before and we we bought a nice little small bungalow uh, in town and things like that so I can walk around the block uh, on the weekend and my wife and I kind of you know, she really push mows, but I don't, I, I can at least stand there and say that I help <laughs> walking, walking on the grass and stuff, you know, it, it, it really challenges me and everything. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I still, you know, I'm, I'm doing as much as I can. Um, and then at lunch I go and, um, the hospital has a, a employee gym. Um, so I go and ride the bicycle and do some leg squats and some ankle ankle pumps and things like that. Um, everything that I can do without wearing myself out too much so I can finish the day of work. Sure. Well, you're still relatively young post recently post transplant. Right. Right. Which is great. So what other promises are you willing to make to just promote your recovery? I'm, I'm doing, I mean, uh, everything from what we eat and how we eat, you know, you try to do the, the low inflammatory diet and things like that. Um, I've always had a, you know, a little bit of some, some, I don't know, maybe this was a precursor to it, but like, um, inflammatory bowel or whatnot. So, um, you know, even, even more so now being, being, um, hyper aware or very, very aware of, of what you eat and, you know, how you, what times you eat and, try to keep things even keel because I can tell sometimes when you, when I do something, when I have a, a long weekend or something or other, I can tell that my, my, my fingers are, are not working perfectly. You know what I mean? As, as well as when I get a good night's rest and uh, things like that. So yeah, I've well, really, yeah, the my whole... lifestyle, you really have to change your lifestyle, you know, promote that um, continued healing and reduction yes. of inflammation because yeah, yes. The whole point of transplant is to halt progression. Exactly. But everything existing before that halt can still flare up when it's aggravated or when you're tired or when you don't eat well or when you don't get enough rest. That's right. And which is a learning experience for so many people going through transplant and so many people who know you otherwise, right? And they see you and say, "Well, well, didn't you just go get that fixed and it's like eh, right it doesn't really work that way uh, there's some people i mean i was out of like i said i was out of work for a year and i mean i would i would randomly see people here or there in town or this or that and you know just the little bit that they knew um you know it was it was so difficult explaining things before i had treatment and then it was even more difficult explaining things after i had treatment um you know and like you said, you know, nobody really truly understands. I mean, it's, it'll affect you every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it'll be something that for me anyway, I'll find gratitude every day. Absolutely. Oh yes. 
Absolutely. So what could you offer as advice to anyone newly diagnosed with CIDP as like advice as a result of your experience? Be your, be, be your own advocate, you know, get in, insist, insist on, on, um, being, you know, treated. And, and if you're, if you're not getting IVIG frequently enough, um, uh, you know, say, look, this isn't working. I need more, you know, or, or I need it. I need, I need change that we can do some first steroids or, or this or that. And if you're lucky enough to, to be able to participate in HSCT, do it as soon as possible. I mean, as soon as possible, um, you know, the, with CIDP, the, the, the sheath around the, the nerve, the, the myelin, um, that, that, that can, that can grow back. You know, there's the, the Schwann, the cells, the Schwann cells, um, actually produce myelin. Um, but the, but the, the nerve itself, the nerve axon, once that is, is damaged, they, from the medical research and from the things that I've read and the doctors I've talked to, it's, it's way more difficult to, to repair axonal damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can, if you can get in there and, get as get as much help as you can as 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 quickly as you can that's that's what i would say um but just don't just there was a point where there's a point where you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you're and i mean i mean everything from the from the plasmapheresis and ivig all the way through you know going back and forth to doctors and and treatments and this and that and then the up and down of getting accepted to chicago and northwestern and um, you know, going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth again, um, just do everything you can to, to be, to be your own advocate and, and as quickly as possible. Yeah. Find your answers and find your way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like it worked out pretty well for you. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful I, I want more. <laughs> I want more. Well, so shifting gears a little bit, can you name a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT? To cry on the drop of a hat. <laughs> no, I don't embrace know. life. Embrace is, life. Is that yeah. what it is to like to That's cry? What it is. Yeah. yeah. Every, every single day. I mean, I've, I was always one to say I love you and, and kiss my wife, you know, good night and good morning this and that. But but every day now is I mean, we were just talking about the other night, you know, our our quality, our, our life would have been completely, completely different if I was by now I would have been wheelchair bound, maybe even maybe even close to bed bound. Um mm. so yeah, so being grateful for every day, um and everyone who supported and still continues to support me with my sister and my parents and oh my wife. Uh, yeah. It's beautiful supports that you have. Yeah. So how about like a book or a resource or something that you could direct people to, to find out more? Most of the stuff that I found was in the American journal of medicine and their archives and stuff I've accessed through the hospital, through that. Um, however, not, not, you can't just go on and look at it. Um, you know, Google always comes up with a whole lot of, of, um, 
garbly gook, you know, some good, some bad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I would say to, to, to definitely go to Facebook pages and type in, you know, GBS, CIDP, MS, whatever it is, um, Mycenae Gravis, um, and become a member of those forums and those groups because, you know, again, there'll be some people that are just spouting off at the mouth or whatever, but most of the time, from what I've seen, 99.9% is factual information from veterans of the HSCT program or or people who have had CIDP that can't get HSCT um, um, due to co- other comorbidities or whatnot. Um, but they have good knowledge of, you know, turmeric is wonderful for, uh, you know, inflammation, this, that, and the other. You know, you can get turmeric through this, this, and this, this vegetable, this, this vegetable, this meat, blah, blah, blah. So that's, I would definitely recommend if you don't have access to medical journals and things like that, which most people don't, um, is to be an active Facebook user. Right. Well, yeah. And it is amazing the extent to which veterans are so willing to help other people to figure it out. Right. And that's why I wanted to start this podcast to kind of expand the narrative beyond those snippets on Facebook and help people share their story. Yeah, there. Um, I I contacted the the National Foundation Gillian Bray and CIDP CIDP Foundation, and um, there is a chapter um, about two hours from me. So I'm going to go down there and speak. I was speaking with the lady before uh, Christmas, but she's going to have a meeting in February, and I'm going to go down there and speak to some of the people um, about HSCT and and um, my experience, things like that. And that I'm hoping to actually awesome. start. Yeah, I'm hoping to start my own chapter, actually, in Greenville at Biden Medical Center. It's, it's like a 980-bed hospital. They have a, a whole Lou Gehrig's um, MS, you know, CIDP, GBS, wing, floor, a specialty neuro floor just for autoimmune slash, slash uh, specialty diseases. And um, they had very, very little experience um, with CIDP. They called me in actually after, and I think it was, I think it was ended up being November, like November 11th or so. I went in and spoke at the neurology, the monthly neurology meeting um, at the hospital with a doctor that actually diagnosed me and all of the, the PA and all the other, I mean, all the other neurologists, pediatric neurologists, um, and gave my, I'm going to call it a testimony, you know, gave my testimony to them and told them about HSCT and, and, uh, you know, gave them copies of the the protocol, the, you know, the general protocols, Mm -hmm. things like that. And, and there is something that is available, you know, even mention it to your patient so they can consider it. um, As an option. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kudos to you. I'm really hoping Really hoping they're talking about um, possible uh, FDA approval by like 2022. Right. Which is just not soon enough. (laughs) I mean, it would be phenomenal for it to happen, but I feel like there's so many people still just on the brink of, of it becoming a standard of care. And so many people now want this, especially after the news coverage that it's just unfortunate Mm -hmm. people will have to wait. Tens of thousands of people in the United States. I mean, that can grasp it. I can't even, I can't even fathom it really, you know, tens of thousands of MS and, and Gillian-Barre and Mycenae Gravis. And I mean, uh, stiff person syndrome. Yeah. 
Scleroderma. I mean, yeah. Lupus. Oh, lupus, yeah. Diabetes, and, so many. Right, right. And we all deserve uh, a chance at life, right? We all deserve to be well and abs- absolutely and fulfilled in life. That's why I paid those medical insurance, uh, you know, the medical uh, insurance monthly premiums every month, you know, for right. 20 years, you know, I finally needed it. <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, to, to not have been sick and then right. all of a sudden have something so terribly wrong. Yeah. And you to be yeah. so in tune with your body and other people's body and how they're supposed to function. Right. And knowing right. truly something is not right. Right. Um, good for you for being that, finding that advocacy within and pursuing everything that you did in order to fast track everything. I would get all the credit to my wife. Yeah. That's amazing to have that kind of support and advocacy just right next to you with you along the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. That, absolutely. So is there anything that you're grateful for that has gone unspoken? It's gone unspoken. Um, I would say, uh, I mean, it goes, it goes without saying, but I, I feel as though I need to, that Dr. Burt and, and his staff, the, the care and the, the, the compassion. And the, it, it, it just goes without saying that, that they, they make the program what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a, a very, you know, it's a difficult program for, for a lot of people, uh, some more than others, but their their follow-up and their care i mean allison i'm i'm five five over five months out almost and and um allison still calls me on a you know other every other week even though i only have labs once a month now and Mm. i mean she's just it goes without saying that 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 just forever indebted and and thankful for that group of of doctors they are very dedicated yeah and I, yeah, yeah, I'm just so grateful that they are so dedicated. Mm-hmm. They're changing the world. They really are going to change the world. Something yeah. to aspire to, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to share? No, no, I, I'm, I'm very thankful them for you that you're doing this oh. and that you're, you're giving people the opportunity to, to get that a little bit of awareness um, well, like I said, whether it be one person, 10 people or a million, um, I think it's our, I think it's our responsibility really to, to, to spread the word and to get things out there and be advocates for people that don't know how to be. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for participating and for your advocacy and dedication to continuing to get the word out to the world. <laughs> it's not Thank- easy work, especially when no. you're back to work full time and you're also trying yeah. to work on recovery. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like I I feel like my plate is pretty full with with trying to get back to work, but I I think like I said I think it's our responsibility. I really do. I agree wholeheartedly. Thank you. Thank well, you for you. Yeah, good luck to you with starting up your own chapter and creating Thank you. A, building a community of others around you that are at least informed and aware. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please and if there's uh if you hear of any foundations or any nonprofit organizations that are that are starting up or, or need, um, please don't hesitate to, to pass on uh, my information or, or anything like that. I'd be very, I'd be very eager to speak with anyone about um, doing some sort of nonprofit um, uh, charitable, you know, national group. Well, it's interesting you say that because 
I interviewed Allison Coates, and mm-hmm. she, over in the UK, started a foundation called AIMS Charity. Uh-huh. It's the uh-huh. autoimmune and multiple sclerosis charity for HSCT. So they are the first charity in the world dedicated to helping people access HSCT. And right wow. now they have to focus their funding the way they're set up in the UK, like support for travel. and Yeah. Um, but that's something and it's a start. And I said to her, wouldn't it be amazing if we could develop a branch of your charity in the United States and eventually every continent to help people access HSCT? I want to do it. Right? Uh, can- I want to do it. Yes. I, I'm, I, yes. Like, I'm, How can now's we? the time. Yeah, it the, really the, is. The, the fire's hot. Let's get the iron in there, you know? You're talking my language. I love it. I really do. Well, it's good to meet you, and it's good to talk with you. You too. I'm you really, too. really glad you reached out, and I really hope you have a great weekend and get some rest. Thank you. And you, you don't too. work too hard because <laughs> you got to not overdo things and exactly yes well it's it's friday it's saturday and sunday i get to rest and relax all the best to you thank you so much it was really a, a, a pleasure speaking with you yeah you as well take care and i'll be in touch best of luck to you and to you and maybe our paths will cross again much sooner than later i hope so Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.